0: Welcome back to All Things Creepy. I'm your host, Micah James. And this week, I give you a creepypasta double feature. I'm going to be reading to you The Rugrats Theory and Cul-de-sac. Cul-de-sac might not be as obvious to you, especially if you were never a Cartoon Network kid like I was. But that one will be about Ed, Ed, and Eddie. Now, let's not beat around the bush and get into it, shall we? The Rugrats Theory The Rugrats really were a figment of Angelica's demonic and unimaginable imagination. Chucky died in 1986 along with his mother, that's why Chaz is a nervous wreck all the time. Tommy was born in 1988, but he was a stillborn, that's why Stu was constantly in the basement making toys for his son who never had a chance to live. The DeVilles had an abortion in 1990, Angelica couldn't figure out whether it would be a boy or a girl, thus creating the twins. As for all grown up, the teenage Angelica became addicted to various narcotics which further aggravated her schizophrenia, bringing her back to her childhood and thus her creations she obsessed over. Because of the time lapse between the present and the last time she interacted with her creations, she made them older. Angelica was constantly taking hits of acid so she would never live without her creations who were her only company. In the judgmental world, Angelica's mom actually died of a heroin overdose in 1982 just after Angelica was born. And Drew, in his depression, married a gold-digging whore that Angelica idolized because she fooled herself into thinking it was her real mom, but always had a concept of her mom, Cynthia, and took a Barbie doll and made it after her mom's image, wearing an unwashed orange dress and having jacked up hair, which is why she was so attached to it. Later in life, she followed her mom's footsteps with drugs and everything, dying of an overdose at age thirteen. When all grown up, was cancelled. The only regret not to be fictional, however, was unborn Tommy's brother Dill. However, Angelica didn't know the difference between Dill and her creations. Although Dill didn't follow her commands, after endless crying and refusal to. Dis- disappear like the others did when angelica was angry with them she hit him due to this he sustained a brain hemorrhage which resulted in a deformation as he grew up his damage only became more evident and by the time he was nine and all grown up he lived as an outcast being ridiculed for his weirdness the immense guilt over this was what led angelica to her drug use and is what led angelica uncreate the regrets briefly until her experience with hallucinogenics on a trip to Paris to find love, Chaz married a woman named Kira. He was actually going to marry a different woman named Coco, but she wanted him for his money, who had a daughter named Kimmy that was being torn from her because she was a cocaine addict. Angelica imagined her from Kira's stories. He lost his mind after the death of his wife and was in denial that she was ever a prostitute. Upon return to America, Chaz and Kira married and she got her green card it was actually a really happy and romantic story kira continually struggled with addiction but was relatively happy with her life and Chaz. susie was actually angelica's only friend who entertained the thought of angelica's creations for her sake angelica spent the last days of her life in the back of the cafeteria imagining friends around her and playing with the lives of her creations Now, there is a tweaked version of this story. I'm not necessarily going to read the whole entire thing because for the most part, it's basically the same. Angelica imagines the kids who died or who weren't, like, truly born and all that. There are two major differences between the original and the tweaked version. In the tweaked version, Stu does end up pulling Angelica off of Dill, but he still ends up becoming deformed and all that for lack of a better term um and then the ending is what's a little different the last paragraph which i will read to you susie was angelica's only friend who entertained the thought of angelica's creations because they seemed to make her happy she later became the became a psychologist and teamed up with nickelodeon to make the rugrats when angelica died of the overdose susie helped arrange her funeral Because of her addictions and her mental state, Angelica was expelled from society, which led to a break with reality and her eventual death. She spent the last days of her life in the back of the school cafeteria, imagining friends around her and playing with the lives of her creations. (laughs) Cul-de-sac We hadn't always been here, but the neighborhood has. Even before it was a neighborhood on earth this one had been here here for those who would be lost on those cursed grounds here for those who would die long before their real life ever truly began here for those who never really wanted to grow up we come from different times and come from different lives but one thing remains true of all of us we lived on the earthly realm of the neighborhood at some point in our lives and died long before our time was supposed to have come We don't remember much of our lives in the cul-de-sac since the last member of our group joined us, and certainly we won't remember now when the next spirit comes. But here is what we do know. Rolf was the first to come here. Unlike most of us, he was born in far-off lands, and even in the afterlife hasn't lost touch of his old world upbringing. He lived in the neighborhood before it was developed the son of a shepherd, he and the rest of his family came to start a farm on the lands that would soon turn into a place we would all eventually reside in. He died in 1903. While tending to the family's animals, the bull broke loose from the pen and in Rolf's efforts to stop the beast, he was trampled to death. That is why even though he brought many of his family's livestock with him in spirit, he chose not to bring the cattle along. He continues to go about the farm's business on a daily basis but is more than happy to occasionally neglect them to play with the other children of the neighborhood. Johnny was always the lonely child. In fact, Rolf actually became his first human friend ever when he came to the cul-de-sac after his death. His parents moved into the grounds of Rolf's for- former farm not long after his death. With no other children around and no field work to take up his time as it did Rolf, Johnny drew into his own mind to to a great extent, from the Plank was born. Together, they wandered about the countryside, climbing trees and getting themselves in trouble. Sadly, it didn't last forever as a few years later, Johnny became bedridden with illness. In 1922, he died after a long battle with tuberculosis. He saw his imaginary friend, Plank, standing by him to his last breath. Even now, in the afterlife, without the countryside to play in, Johnny still wastes much of his time frolicking through the backyards and streets. Eddie was the next to come. Eddie was born in New York City but moved to the neighborhood in 1932, just as the Great Depression was hitting full swing. The neighborhood, while still different, was beginning to take form from the fields of its past as families moved in and split up the lands that had once belonged to Ralph's family. Always a schemer, Eddie looked to do anything that could bring some comfort to his very bare family life, even if it cost him the friendship of others. Eddie died in 1939 after one of his grand plans to swindle a sap backfired. He drowned trying to cross the local river after trying to run away from the angry kids that he had tried to deceive. Even in the afterlife, he keeps chasing after the almighty dollar. Sarah and Ed came together not too long after that. By the late 40s, the cul de sac had already nearly taken its final form as one of the pre planned developments that became popular in the post war era. As brother and sister growing up in the chaos of World War II, they both had various ways of escaping their lives as children of a dead GI and a working mother. Sarah became enraged and controlling as she sought to make sure that everyone around her knew that she was in charge, all in an attempt to copy off of her view of the hustle and bustle of her often working mother. Ed, on the other hand, went about it a different, in a different way. He just shut it out entirely. In fact, he shut out nearly everyone and everything in the world entirely, becoming what appeared to be a complete idiot. Ed chose instead to become completely involved in the monster movies and comic books that began to pop up after the war had ended. It wasn't too long after that, in 1953, Ed and Sarah died in a car wreck as their mother was taking them to their, to visit their grandparents. Naz came a time came a time after the brother and sister. Naz was a flower child, born to a pair of hippies during the establishment in the late 60s. She was a naturally beautiful girl that had always had a way with boys and men alike. She lived a life on a whim, and would often go about flirting and playing without any intentions. She died possibly in the most horrible way of any child in the neighborhood. In the summer of 79, a serial killer who had had broken out of a local asylum had slipped into her house in the dead of night and raped and killed her along with her entire family. In the trauma of these events, she was in a way similar to Ed, shut out the world entirely and forget... And forgot of her parents and siblings which is why in the afterlife she doesn't ever receive demands from the non-existent parents unlike many of the others this gives her much more time to lounge around and party as she often does it didn't take too long before ed joined the rest of the neighborhood he was the child of two highly controlling professionals in the age of greed that despite their constant absence and dominated his life As such, Ed became quite the intellectual and rather meek and shy figure. Always the curious type, he loved to experiment when given time away from school and the constant chores of his parents. This would lead to his untimely demise in 1986 as a gas leak combined with a Bunsen burner from one of his experiments tore him and his house to pieces. Being the timid and subservient type between various misadventures ed continued to follow the written orders of his parents long after his death kevin was the next to join the group he was born the day of ed's death and is in many ways his polar opposite kevin came from a broken home and developed a solid developed a bold personality in life he was cynical and angry and took it out on many of the other children his abusive father would rarely pay him any attention in life and would end up bringing about the end of it. In a drunken rage, his father beat him after Kevin attempted to stand up to him. He died on the way to the hospital in the winter of 1999. His father spent the rest of his life in prison. In the afterlife, Kevin changed his perception on the opposite to the opposite of what his life really was, with a distant father who w- would shower him with gifts. However, he continued to maintain his bullying, even in death. Jimmy was the last to come to the cu- cul-de-sac. He died in 2000, not long after moving to the house that Kevin's father had once lived in. He had had leukemia since he was barely old enough to walk. As such, he was always very s- a very sickly child, and due to this was overprotective parents, he never really got to be around other children. He lived his days in a small bedroom, completely neglected by the outside world. Jimmy lingered for quite some time in a state of near death, but in the end finally caved into the suffering of his lifelong illness. The Kinkers' sisters were different from other denizens of the cul-de-sac. They were never of the earthly plane of existence. Instead, they were children of demons not too dissimilar from the succ- succubi of human lore. They seemed to possess abilities and impossible by the standards of the others, such as the ability to appear nearly anywhere instantly. They were sent from hell to torment the already tortured souls of the neighborhood. Surprisingly, they are attracted to the Eds for unknown reasons, although it is speculated that they are the weakest-willed members of the neighborhood and are seen as easy targets by them. Despite that, they are universally loathed and often feared by everyone, including the Eds. <laughs> So that was your creepypasta double feature. Let me know if there are any other pastas you would like me to cover. I plan on doing more of these in the future as I've kind of been doing since the start of this iteration of the podcast. Also, I'm still looking for ideas. If you have something you want me to cover, just reach out to me. All of my socials will be in the show notes. I will also be linking the stories I read in the show notes as well in case you want to read along or want to read the entirety of the tweaked version of the Rugrats theory. Like I said, it's pretty much the same except for like some minor changes here and there. Anyways, I will see you guys next week with another creepy topic. ElectroCast. Transform your influence. ElectroCast. ElectroCast. Welcome to Tuning into to Sound Wellbeing, where we harmonise your mind, body and soul. I'm Amanda, your sound therapy expert. And I'm Stephen, the curious explorer uncovering the mysteries of sound. Together we explore vibrations, frequencies and the power of sound therapy and tuning forks. Discover ancient wisdom, reduce stress and tune into a healthier life. Subscribe to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing today. Electric acid.